This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Carith Isthoy. Hello. And we're joining you for the first podcast of the summer, so I'll be honest, there's not a huge amount to talk about. No signings as of yet. Shock, horror. It's a bit early days, to be fair. It is. The, the transfer window technically has only just opened, and obviously it's going to be open till, um, you know, end of August, start of September time. So... Plenty of time left for Newcastle doing anything. This isn't us sounding the alarm bells that we haven't already got three players through the door. Um, but we just thought we'd do a bit of a roundup of uh, of the news from the last couple of weeks since the end of the season. And again, since we haven't actually made any signings yet, just have a bit of a chat about what Newcastle might look to do in the summer, what we think they should do in the summer, and just go from there. Really, yeah. So this could be could be a thin one, or <laughs> a, a, an, uh, not an argument. That's the wrong word. Um, it's gone. Discussion, debate. Discussion, debate, no, because it's not a good... Just a bit of a rant, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just wait until we get to the bit about the government and Jack Grealish. Uh, Two separate stories there, the government and Jack Grealish. As far as I'm aware, don't have anything to do with each other. I mean, <laughs> there's not much in terms of intelligence between them, is there? <laughs> and it's started already, listeners. <laughs> we are starting as we mean to go on. And by that, we mean ragging on Jack, Re- uh, J- Jack Reelish. I'm not see, I'm not even saying his name right anymore. That's how much respect he actually Fuck deserves. Fuck it, it's a Monday. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and we can tick off the explicit box on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Getting early, that's what I say. Early doors. Again. Set, set this up for what the listeners expect. A taste of things to come. <laughs> um, <laughs> to start with some more positive stuff, though. Um... Some news the other day that Sean Longstaff has signed a new three-year contract at the club. Uh, he was at, his contract wasn't due up this summer, so he was otherwise going to leave as a free agent. I think that would have been a, a massive loss for Newcastle. Just purely, just he, he's a he's a decent player, um, one that can be improved, one that can be moulded into a position. And Newcastle just need bodies. At the moment, still, um, and why not have one that you know can can be consistent? So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd really be excited to see what will happen. He's not really had a huge amount of impact at the moment under Eddie Howe, but yeah, he, yeah, I mean, like you say, yeah, he, um, the the midfield, you know, it's it's been mostly it's been that sort of trio of Shelby, of Joe Winton, of certainly in, in the last few months of the season of, of Bruno. But the last couple of games, Sean Longstaff, you know, with Shelby injured, Sean Longstaff did come in the team and he helped us finish the season really strongly. He did play really well in, in the in the handful of games he played at the end. So hopefully that's maybe a sign of things to come. Because you're right, like, obviously we talked about him before, like when, when he first sort of burst onto the scene, him him and Matty um, as well. Obviously Matty then has ended up being, you know, sort of shipped out on loan and stuff, but... You know, neither of them have quite kicked on the way we hoped. I mean, obviously, you know, Sean Longstaff was. We we were when there were rumours that Man United wanted him. We were 
we were quoting, you know, fifty million pound figures for him, you know, a couple of years ago, and obviously at the moment he's uh, he wouldn't fetch anywhere near that if we were to actually sell him on the open market. But like I say, there's 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 been a bit of promise at the very end of the season, um, so I, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can maybe do next year under Eddie Howe and in this more positive team and with you know hopefully a bit more sort of modern bit more progressive coaching which obviously is so key to his development at this stage of his career as well which not to always bring everything back to Steve Bruce but I think Howe's going to you know like I say he's going to use some more modern coaching techniques and, and, and things like that which will hopefully you say more modern getting... training techniques do you mean actually show up um, to training set yeah t- oh Just yeah revolutionary things it is like revolutionary. tactics and- <laughs> I honestly don't understand how everything's changed so much um- <laughs> and also as as well like you say yeah it just stops us from you know losing him for free which is not something well it depends on the scenario sometimes I feel like when you've got like really good service out of a player even if you spent a reasonable amount of money on them if you've got like a, a lot of years of good service, I sometimes feel like losing them for free isn't always as disastrous as it's made out to be in the media. That said, obviously, whenever you can get a fee for a player when they leave, especially a decent one, that's always obviously a huge positive. And again, with it being a three-year deal, you know, we can give him a year, maybe even give him two years to really kick on and prove himself under Eddie Howe. And if it doesn't work... We can always sell him a year or two down the line and actually get a fee for him. Yeah, I think it's quite a smart move for both the club and the player, to be honest. He doesn't want to be signed in and locked in for three years of sitting in the reserves. And um, Newcastle don't want to be stuck with a player that they just can't get rid of. So I suppose it's positive business for both. Yeah, decent bit of business, I think. And um, Speaking of which, and in terms of, again, talking about this all, hopefully more sort of progressive coaching and, and all that sort of thing that's hopefully now sort of happening on the training ground and, and kind of just throughout the club. As we've spoken about before, there's been talk about this obviously for months, but Dan Ashworth, um, formerly of Brighton, now finally confirmed as Newcastle Sporting Director. Again, we've kind of known about this for, I feel like the better part of about six months. So, although I think um, he's technically only just, um, you know, been confirmed... I think he's, you know, presumably he he has been sort of prepping for this role, you know, kind of for months in the making. So hopefully that help, helps him, you know, hit the ground running um, in terms of, you know, helping us with this summer's transfer business. Um, and also, I think more widely, I think it's just an important step, as we've kind of spoken about before, of just, you know, I think, I think most, you know, competitive modern clubs these days they have sporting directors, they have this more sort of cohesive vision that runs throughout the club. It's not just the manager is the be-all and end-all, like back in the day, like you know, like your Alex Ferguson type figure, where the manager literally handled everything and anything under the sun. Yeah. You know, it's about kind of building out that staff um, and, and that, yeah, that sort of club-wide long-term vision. Um, and also, hopefully, it'll help sort of integrate you know, players from the the academy a bit more as well. Like he's that kind of link as well between you know the academy and the first team as well. Because as we've spoken about before, they haven't well apart from the long staffs and with which we just said that they've maybe not kicked on as we hoped. 
there haven't there haven't been many players coming through that pipeline. A hundred percent. There's no link, is there, really, between your youth and development squad and the first team? And mm. it just seems like a, a massive opportunity being missed from the club, if nothing else, for the club just to make money um, from homegrown talent. But they're also a useful shoe in, especially with the the amount of injury crises, crises or crisi, whatever the plural is of crisis is. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, crises. Crises. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that we've seen multiple clubs have this season in terms of injuries yeah. and COVID, and just being able to fall back and pull up some of your development squad or or your reserve team to plug those gaps. I mean, it's worked well. Um, for I'm just I do this all the time, but I use Leicester because I know what I'm talking about with Leicester. But you know we've got Joe Thomas and James Justin, yep. and you know having uh, Chowdhury and oh, I forget his name. What he looks like, Robin Hood. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Dewsbury Hall. Dewsbury Hall. And they, I mean even Harvey Barnes as and well. Har- yeah, he, he's Harvey that, Barnes. He's that well. perfect example of one who's really come on and actually established themselves as a key. Yeah. As a and key they player. came on. All of them came on in an injury crisis and were like, just put him in, just put him in. Yeah. And you know, James Justin's has been playing for England, so there's, there's opportunities here, and I, I just don't think Newcastle are taking advantage of it at the moment. At the moment, so. Yeah, long term, let's really hope that this does be, make Newcastle a more modern club, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely. has 100% been feeling like you're stuck in the past, in the 1960s, <laughs> 70s, with the way it's being run at yeah. the moment. And actually, just to uh, use this as a neat segue, you were talking about James Justin there playing for This England. is 100% why I said it, you know, obviously. Oh, it's it's so slick this podcast listeners. you have no idea like the level of like planning we put into this um, no but yeah Kieran Trippier uh, is in the England squad for the upcoming well ongoing I should say Nations League games we had the first one on Saturday didn't go very well for England oh yeah absolute scintillating lost match to, to watch just like England always is um, <laughs> thankfully Kieran Trippier wasn't actually on the pitch for that game so that maybe stands him in good stead <laughs> For some of the remaining games, of course, I mean he's still somewhat working his way back to full fitness. But at the same time, and obviously we have this weird situation at the moment now with England, where we have so many amazing right backs. Yeah, you know, a- um, we we're like just so weirdly stacked in that position. Um, but yeah, neither, neither of the people that he's competing with, for example, ahead of the World Cup later this year, neither of them really covered themselves in glory. I mean. I mean, Trent Alexander on it. You can you can forgive him for looking a bit leggy after what was an obviously an incredibly long season with Liverpool. You know, they literally played every possible game they could play. He was in the Champions League final as well, so he hasn't had as much time. He hasn't had a break at all, so you can understand that. He then went off in his replacement, Reese James. He was the one who gave away the penalty that um, Dominic Sobersly. He was always scored. he was always going to convert that. There was no way that Slobberlobberla was going to Yeah, because he's an excellent player. It, well, I yeah, can't it, say his name, but he's an excellent player. Yeah, so like, <laughs> hopefully that means. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that you know that's not going to like massively go. Southgate's not going to write either of those players off, of course, for that. But at the same time, hopefully, it means that maybe Trippier does get a bit more of a chance. Um, in the coming weeks, we've got Germany coming up, and then um, I can't even remember who the other two are. But it's because is got it going to the... matter after we get absolutely pumped by Germany? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hopefully we can play better than we did against Hungary, and and hopefully we don't. But yeah. Um, but as always, it's just it's just nice to have a Newcastle player in the England squad. I mean, since the 
you know, the sort of at the Alan Shearer days, and I guess the tail end of the Michael Owen days, it's it's been an exceptionally rare thing for a Newcastle player to be anywhere near the England squad, whether they deserved it or not. So it's just a nice, it's just nice and refreshing, and it's um, and again. Trippier, and I'm, obviously I now have the bias of the fact that he's a Newcastle player, but as is Trent Alexander, as is Rhys James, he's a great player. He's a great right back. We've so we've yeah we've we've spoken so many times, obviously on this pod, about everything he can bring, and the same goes for England. Um, obviously, England just have more options in every position because England at the moment, thankfully, Saturday's result side are really good. But the fact that he's still involved on paper. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> hey, look, I'll be honest, I don't know what to expect for the World Cup, but, you know, Euro's it, final last year, you know. It, it's always safe to go in low <laughs> with your expectations and be pleasantly surprised. And I mean low. Oh, sure. hey, <laughs> you're preaching to the Newcastle choir here. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's enough about England. Um, well, speaking of another England player, but... Very weird. I mean, it, obviously, at this point, listeners, this is somewhat old news. I'm sure you heard about it the other week, but I thought we needed to give it a mention because I thought it was a bit bizarre. And also, Car and I can't really resist a dig at Jack, <laughs> Jack Creelish. I mean, he does invite it. It's almost rude. To yeah, not... I mean, it was it was so weird. It was in the, the the Man City title celebrations. Obviously, he's you know he's pissed out of his head, which is his right. He's celebrating a title, but then he randomly just like. Aiming digs at like Miguel Almiron as a like, and it, as far as I'm aware, there's no history or beef between them. It's not like, as far as I'm aware, that there was anything ever between them when we played against Man City, or that he had any particular reason to dislike or, or call out Almiron. But again, you've probably seen it, listeners. But if you need reminding, this was when he was also. I mean, he was also you know ragging on his own teammates here as well, which it just seems extremely was, unprofessional <laughs> and also yeah. hilarious because Grealish actually hasn't done that much. He's had um, nineteen assists and eighteen goals in one hundred and twenty-two appearances in the Premier League. In the Premier League, yeah. Well, and not all of those are obviously. Weak. Well, no. For, yeah, for he only he cost Man City a hundred million pounds. Yeah. And last season, I think he scored two more league goals than Miguel Almiron, who got yeah. one. I think I'm pretty sure Grealish got three league goals for Man City that last season, something like that. Yeah. So, which is ridiculous. And then even even Mares, who yes has had more appearances in the Premier League of 254, whether he has 77 goals and 51 assists, he's got a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean. Just chill out, dude. And also, he's your teammate. Don't be a dick. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it was just like it was really bizarre. And also, it's just like it was just weird from just from the point of view as well. It's like who 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 could dislike Miggy Almiron? Like yeah, like he's just like that would just that smile, the Miggy smile. I love it. I've gone on about it before, but mm-hmm. it's just like here we go. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's just like he just seems like such like a just a nice, happy man. And it's just like why anyone want to have a, a dig at him is beyond me personally. But um. A bit of a strange one, but as we've said, we think Jack Grealish is a bit of a dick. So, yeah, three goals and three assists. Yeah, so he, like, like I said, hundred million pound he cost, and he scored two more Premier League goals the, than Jack. The, sorry, than, than Miguel Almiron. I mean, that's just he, he he cost five times more than. Yeah. So you know, maybe uh, go home, Jack Grealish. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, I don't. 
I mean, personally, I don't think you should be aiming random digs at other professionals. No. Oh, and again, Mahrez got 11 and 5. That's just purely in the Premier League. If you want to total all of them, yeah, he got a hell of a lot Mahrez more goals than re- Grealish. Mahrez actually had a really good season. So yeah. But as well, like... So, like, maybe wind your neck in a bit, Jack. Yeah, but 24 <laughs> goals for Mahrez this season in all competitions, and Jack Grealish got six. Exactly. <laughs> and again, Mahrez wasn't cheap, but Mahrez cost a lot almost, less. almost half the price of Jack Grealish as well. So, yeah. you know, give it a rest. Um, <laughs> Literally, almost exactly, I think, just less than half. No, exactly half. Exactly half. So, you know, as we've said... Give it up, chat. Um, <laughs> maybe do better, and then maybe you've got a leg to stand on. But even if you do do better, maybe don't be a wanker about it. <laughs> We're really making use of the fact that we can push that explicit uh, notice on this podcast. So, <laughs> speaking of which, Boris Johnson, no. who at the time of recording is just about still Prime Minister. That genuinely may have changed by the time this comes out. We can all keep our fingers crossed. Oh, yeah, I know. But what's worse? But yeah, anyway, that that's a separate conversation. Fucking Doris. And <laughs> <laughs> um, this was the Guardian's David Conn reporting that Boris Johnson's government worked for months to encourage the Premier League to accept the Saudi takeover bid of of the club. Uh, this being despite Johnson and the government repeatedly and publicly denying any involvement why in the are deal. We, I'm sorry. Why are we surprised? Well, why that- are we surprised? Whenever they say they've not done something. It means they've a hundred percent done it, yeah. and when they say they've done something, it means they've not because they they're just incapable of telling the truth or being any form of actual, consistent, um, effective, and capable government. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, honestly, just add this to the pile, like the the just enormous pile of evidence that we now have. Obviously, that yeah, Boris Johnson just just he just cannot tell the truth on anything. I wonder how much money he got paid to lobby for this. Because I reckon it was a lot. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They, you know, they want that. The government want that Saudi Arabian investment. They probably need that Saudi Arabian investment. You know, because God forbid they, you know, tax billionaires or anything. Anyway, again, slightly off topic there, listeners. <laughs> but yeah, you know, they, they. Of course, they pushed for it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you you, you know, it's hard to name any good thing that this government has done. And again, as enthusiastic as I might be that we're not, you know, b- uh, owned by Mike Ashley anymore and all the rest of it, as I've spoken about before, ultimately, I still don't think the Saudis should be allowed to own our club. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but they shouldn't be. Plain and simple. I Yeah, I mean, I agree with and that, but and we've talked of, about so, that uh, before, but I think, I think what's really... Of course the government pushed for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think that is, is extra salt in the wound. The... I, I don't think any political organisation should be involved in a decision like this. Um, no. I, I, and again, they know it's wrong. That's why they said they've not done it, but they're not going to ever admit that that it was wrong. And they'll come up with an excuse as why do they think it, it was right. And I just, yeah, it's just more and more politics and money taking it away. This, well, we've seen it for years. Let's be honest, football used to be 
a game with the people and now barely anyone can actually afford to go so yeah. it, it's not anymore unfortunately and, and, we and say it's that, just another example yeah. we said that's people who live in Peterborough we know oh my god <laughs> try oh just Peterborough United man posh tone it down mate you're in second you're in the league, league two yeah you're not worth that much <laughs> um, and in other news again listeners as you may or may not have seen Alan Sam Maximan proving that he once again he is the king of Twitter uh I just thought this was really funny. Just uh, the, the the bloke who just decided randomly to release a thread of pictures of Alison Maximan as a vibrator. <laughs> as you do. As you do. Yeah. Uh, to which he replied, entertainment guaranteed on and off the pitch. <laughs> Hopefully we see more of that on the pitch from him next season. What he gets up to off, to, off, off it, that's his business. Um... <laughs> just clearly has nothing else to do that is that's why it's happened but yeah um, now in terms of the other main thing that we actually wanted to have a chat about today really well it wasn't the vibrator pictures I mean I mean <laughs> <laughs> I mean really we, yeah we've buried the lead here haven't we like oh, we, oh, get, we should oh, have left that, that to just the end now. yeah but um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think um, now, like I say, we, we've kind of covered the bit of a roundup of news. Um, now it's more like, all right, what do Newcastle need this summer? What do we want to see from them? And as again, as you may or may not have seen uh, in various publications and on Twitter and things like that, listeners, obviously Newcastle now have a lot more money to play with than they used to. And in fact, uh, some football finance experts have been crunching the numbers. Again, we've kind of spoken a little bit about this before, but I would encourage you if you want, if you want to really dig into the numbers, I would encourage you to uh, seek out Swiss Ra- at Swiss Ramble on Twitter and uh, Kieran Maguire, who I think is at Price of Football. Both really good if you are ever interested in any of the sort of financial side of the game. Uh, I won't pretend to understand most of what they tweet, but sometimes. <laughs> It is, quite, it is quite interesting, but they, 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 you know, they, they've recently crunched all the numbers about Newcastle's accounts and, and what kind of state they're in. The one positive that you can say about Ashley's reign and the complete lack of investment and <laughs> spending and all the rest of it on players and, and everything else is that as a result of that and the position that he left us in. You were financially stable. Due to the... Yeah, I could say... Again, if you want to get into the actual nitty-gritty of how we can do this, I would urge you to to look at the people that we mentioned before on Twitter because they can... They're a lot more knowledgeable than me. They can they actually gone into the details of how we can do this. But essentially, um, they brought it down to... That roughly, in theory, we can spend around £600 million. Six Jack Grealishes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we'll get a whole like three goals each from the next season. It'd be fab. <laughs> Eighteen goals. <laughs> um, we can spend roughly that much before we start breaching FFP rules. It's worth remembering, of course, that although we may be or we may have the richest owners in the world, that at the moment does not yet equal us being the richest club. Because again, because of, for example, these FFP rules, um, and one this of the mufflers getting one hell of a good test here. <laughs> so go on. 
Uh, just to clarify, <laughs> listeners, in case that sounded weird, it's because our cat is getting involved, not, not anything else. Um, <laughs> All right. ASM is a vibrator. What can we say? We're um, doing a podcast. That's where I was going with this. <laughs> and we've ticked the explicit box. Anything goes now. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I apologise. You, you, you were talking sensible stuff and I got distracted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically... Our commercial revenue actually decreased over the 14 years Mike Ashley was in charge, which when you think about the level of commercial investment that basically went into football over the course of that 14 years... That's an achievement. Is, is, yeah, it, it would be impressive if it wasn't so abysmal. <laughs> and obviously... And I'm not saying that I want us to do it in the dodgy way that Man City have done it. And to be fair, the Premier League very quickly moved to vote uh, against our ability to do that. Again, I didn't have a problem with it, but they're kind of bolting the... Uh, they're closing the door after the uh, horses bolted there because Man City have literally been doing this for years with their inflated sponsorship deals and all that sort of stuff. But inflated or not and again I would prefer them not to be inflated because I would like to see us do it in a more legitimate way it's it's the least that we can do given who we're now owned by <laughs> but we need to get yeah these we need to improve the commercial revenue of the club we need to get these deals in place um, sponsorship and otherwise all this sort of stuff so that we've then actually got the income to back up all the spending because that's you know that's how you need to do it that's how, for example, Man United do it because obviously they don't. They're you know, obviously they are. They have basically unlimited funds, but they're not funded by a state like us or yeah. City or PSG. They just have an insane amount of commercial revenue, and that's yeah. how they pay for everything. They then waste all that money, and that's again that you could do a whole <laughs> other podcast on that. But that's how that's how they're even able to afford to be able to waste all that money. At least we don't have and to. And only talk finished about nine that. points ahead of us. And, and at, least, <laughs> at least we don't have to talk about about how much money it costs for each goal in Man United, um, which uh, as as we took great joy in in, in seeing was a lot. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so what all that boils down to, listeners, is yes, we have in theory this incredible amount of money that we could spend. However. And all indications seem to be that we're going to be doing it quite sensibly. Again, to be fair, if you're Eddie Howe or if you're Amanda Staveley, you're not going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to spend 600 million quid this summer because then everyone's going to add 50 million to their price tags whenever we come knocking. And I mean, they're already going to be increasing these things the second we come anywhere near anyone anyway. But that that would just make it even worse. But still... All indication seems to be, you know, we're going to be doing it sensibly. We're not going to be going out and buying Neymar and all these £150 million players and all the rest of it and, and using up all that wiggle room that we have within FFP in one you, in one transfer you window. You can't sign Neymar. That's yet another injury-playing player. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. But yeah, so rather than like really set off all the alarm bells and, you know, instantly try and do that and splash out all this cash... I think basically they're going to try and sort of slowly boil us alive like the culpable frogs that we are. Yeah. You know, that that's the way it's going to go. And, and <laughs> this is going to sound weird because, again, we've gone over the whole Saudi thing. You know my feelings about it now, listeners. I don't think they should be in charge. I think they're awful people. We're doing it again. Yep, I know. I, keep, <laughs> I feel like I have to say it every time, even though everyone already knows my feelings on it. So, sorry, listeners. Um, I, would, I would rather see us build in that more sensible, sustainable way 
anyway. I'd rather, you know, we take a few years to really build up to being a top six, top eight, sorry, a top six, top four, dare I say it, title contender again. <gasps> We've looked at Everton. Just because you can spend a load of money doesn't necessarily mean anything. You have to spend it well. You look at Man United, they spend a load of money. They haven't spent it well. They're nowhere near the title. So again... You just have to get that digging. All the, all the, no, but I'm just saying, no, you know, I know, I know, we can spend all the money in the world, but unless we do it sensibly, then we're not actually going to be in that top six, top four conversation anyway. So, um, but also I have this sort of weird, possibly weird, well, it might be weird if you are like a Man United fan or a Liverpool fan or whatever, but I kind of have this like slightly weird view of football that like the perfect team to support is one that is more like a sort of, top six, top eight contender who occasionally wins trophies and things like that. Why do you support Newcastle? <laughs> well, that's sort of what we were when I started liking football. But but honestly, like I'm gonna like I'm I'm gonna use like a Leicester as an example or if you look sort of to other countries like a Sevilla in Leon. Spain. Well yeah maybe Leon before PSG just started hoovering up literally every trophy in France every single year. But yeah, that absolutely that kind of club, or like maybe a Napoli or a Roma or someone uh, in Italy or a Dortmund in Germany, you know, not not quite the biggest club that wins everything every year. Because I and maybe I will experience this one day. But I personally, from my point of view, I kind of I'm I always think to myself like, but when you win it every single time, how much does it mean? Whereas if you win one, say you know you you remain competitive all the time, you know you're gonna get into the Champions League quite often, maybe not necessarily every year, but you you know, you're gonna be having a positive season where you're winning more than you're losing, you're finishing, you know, top six, top eight, top four of your respective league. Like I said, you're a contender for cup competitions and European trophies. You win them occasionally, but not so often that it becomes meaningless. So then every single time that you do win, it really means something, but also you're not waiting 50 years for your next try at a cup final. You know what I mean? Which, so I I've, I always sort of thought that that's kind of the ideal club to really support as a football fan. Um, like I say, I haven't supported that team as a football fan, certainly not till, not since the pre-Ashley era. Not that we won trophies, but you know, at least there were the couple of cup finals uh, in the 90s. But yeah, I'd, I'd rather see us at the, at the very, certainly in, in the short to medium term, I'd kind of rather we kind of do that than skip straight to... And I know this is kind of bonkers because I'm sure, obviously, I want us to win trophies. I want us to do all that. But, like, I don't know. I, I think it would help me come round on it more than, like, if we just instantly started just winning titles and stuff. And, obviously, that isn't going to happen. We're not going to, like, win the title next season. I don't care who we sign this summer. We're not going to be in that conversation anyway. I'm just saying, like... You know what I mean? It, it just won't feel real. It won't feel like they're my club anymore. And I mean, I'm already you know having enough issues with the whole takeover situation anyway. So again, boil me like a culpable frog. That's what I'm saying. It's so weird. I know. Um, so, but like, like I said, we still, all that being said, I'm sure we're going to spend more this summer than we would have if, for example, Mike Ashley was in charge. I think we're probably going to look to get you know, four or five players through the door. I'm sure there'll be some exits as well. 
in terms of positions, what what do you think um, we could do with this summer? Hmm. Um, all of them. <laughs> um, I mean, fair. That is fair. <laughs> Your midfield's not too bad. It'd be nice to have a couple of replacements, um, which we've kind of talked about in a way with the long staffs. Maybe bring the other one back. Um, and I, I guess obviously Jolinton being converted now, he basically he's a full time midfielder. So I guess that slightly lessens the need there uh, well, as you, well. Yeah, you just you definitely need another striker. Mm. Um. <sighs> Um, maybe another centre back, just because it's not like Newcastle have been necessarily terrible, but there's definitely room for improvement there. And if nothing else, it just it just helps out the team, doesn't it? In general, and another winger, they also tend to be the areas where you get a lot of injuries. Yeah, I mean, like you said, in terms of striker and injuries. Obviously, we've got Callum Wilson. We know that when he's fit and on the pitch, he is a really prolific player. And I'm hoping that we really get the chance to see what he can do, as we've said with many of the players, in that more, hopefully, more progressive, more forward-thinking team next season with better players around him. Because Lord knows he hasn't really had that for, for his much of his time at Newcastle so far. But yeah, the man is always injured. He misses about half of the season, every season. And obviously, our only other real option now that Jointon is a midfielder is Chris Wood. And although we know that he can do better than he showed in terms of goal scoring, like I said, he, he got double figures pretty much every season in the league for Burnley. At the moment, yeah, he, he's not done it. We, we need another option because at the moment, he's our only hope when, you know... Um, when Wilson's not on the pitch. Well, there is Dwight Gale. I think he's likely to move on this summer and I think I think we should. Again, one of those players who amazing in the championship just doesn't really do it in the in the in the top flight. So now that we're safe, he's not really a player that we need and I think yeah, get get rid of him, move him on. Thank you very much, Dwight. But you know, we need we need someone else and someone who can be a strong alternative to Wilson and, and Chris Wood. Up front, um, just anybody, and really. Then, <laughs> and then, yeah, I think the defense is obviously going to be a big focus. I mean, we need a left back. Hopefully, we make Matt Target permanent because he was really good for us after we got him on loan in the summer. Obviously, he's back at Aston Villa now. Hopefully, we bring him back. Yeah, I was talking as if he was still there, but yeah, definitely, Target needs to be made a permanent one. And, and if if not him, then we need to sign another left back. I can't go back to Matt Ritchie at left back again. <laughs> can't I can't do it and we won't we won't do it I guarantee you we will sign a left back this summer whether it's Matt Target or someone else um, but yeah I think I think Matt Target did really well for us so I would be perfectly happy if he was the one we get um, and then yeah I think maybe another centre back again I think Kieran Clark's probably going to leave this summer hope I, I again I still hope and think that maybe he might do something and hopefully get a bit of a redemption story for us. But Lascelles, it wouldn't surprise me if he left this summer either. Um, so again, if either of them leave, you, first and foremost, you kind of just need to replace the body in there. But equally, yeah, there's room for, for us to improve at the back. We want more strength and depth and, and more options. And I think you need a bit more pace on the wings as well at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got Sam Maximan. Ryan Fraser obviously did well when he played, but again, both of them 
they also get injured now and again. I mean, I've we as always, I kind of blow hot and cold with Jacob Murphy. Certainly, the man cannot finish to save his life. I mean, obviously, he gets the odd goal, but so many times, you know, we just see him, he'll have a chance and he'll just hit the post. Or, of course, the infamous, just put it in the net, <laughs> which we'll never forget. Um, we need, yeah, we need some more sort of uh, wide options as well, to just to, again, to support the forward players um, as well. So, hopefully, we see a bit of that this summer. Uh, in terms of other players well I mean it's hard to know exactly but yeah I think I wouldn't be surprised if Isaac Hayden left Um, not that I would be opposed to him staying but equally he's probably not going to be a starter next season um, for most of it now with Bruno Joelinton that kind of only leaves one position and you've got to think Willock Shelby and Longstaff probably are all ahead of him in the pecking order so and certainly Jeff Hendrick, he's not getting into that midfield next season. <laughs> he's done nothing. He's barely played. Sorry, Jeff. Um, it's always Jeff. Yeah, so I think he'll be off. But um, yeah, hopefully by next week's next week. Well, obviously we're every, we're every two weeks uh, this time now, listeners. So, uh, but next pod, hopefully we maybe have a bit more to talk about in terms of transfer activity. Again, it's still going to be relatively early on, but. Yeah, we'll be here to round up anything that happens transfer-wise or just general general news-wise. Yep. Uh, and we'll probably be less explicit since Jack Grealish probably won't come up. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. You just can't help it, <laughs> can you? Just, such a chav. <laughs> In the meantime, listeners, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review, that'd be amazing. And we've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And as always, thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.